Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. Another episode. We're in studio. How you doing, my bro? Good, mate. Very good. I'm loving this scotch still. Yeah. It's looking good, huh? Thanks, Roger, again, bro. Yeah, this is um, <laughs> nice to have a little little drink while we have a little record as well. It's good. It does loosen the voice, vo- um, the vocal cords, but mm-hmm. also the creativity and accessing part of those mm. parts of your brain where sometimes can be locked up. I'm feeling creative after a bit of scotch. Always. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, bro. Today, we're going to talk about dog training is like developing a language, communication, and developing a sport-like activity with your dog. Mm-hmm. And when I say language, it's not about the language us dog trainers use in in conversation. It's language of like you and your dog. Between species, you're learning how to communicate. You can already communicate without learning it because dogs kind of come pre-wired to understand basic human body language Mm. is pretty fascinating and heaps of people can communicate with their dog and they've done zero formal training but the training experience is about improving that relationship in terms of being able to tell your dog i want you to do x y and z in this like in this moment now Mm. and that's super effective and probably the most reason why any dog training gets hired in the first place Mm -hmm. i always find it funny when people like i talk to shadow you know, obviously, I talk, I talk to him. You should definitely talk to him. Yeah, like- He's wise. I, I talk to him like he can understand me. But I also, at the same time, while I'm saying this, and this is a self-aware moment, like, I think it's funny the way, you know, when you see a, a, a pet owner and you go into their home and then they're like, no, don't do that. Stop. And it's like word salad. And mm-hmm. what we teach him is like, you could teach your dog- you could say dishwasher and that could mean sit. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's just a, it's an arbitrary it's word. Just a sound. That's right. A worth, a, a worth, a mouth noise that you've decided to assign to a particular movement. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as you pair it with the behavior, right? So your dog doesn't understand English per se. It doesn't understand Greek or Italian it or doesn't Japanese. doesn't even know words. That's right. Yeah. They're just noises. Exactly. Uh, and so, especially in the work, like the less you say, the better, right? Yeah. Now, look, I can say, hey, get off that. And my dog would get off that. Let's just say she, okay, she jumped on the couch. Off. What do you think you're doing, man? Get off. Get on to you. I'll do the the extra. But in the moment, off is like straight away it's happened. Now I'm just venting my frustration to you. You were just outside. You're gross and you're wet. And why do you think you can jump on the couch? Mm-hmm. I'll probably say that to her only because I'm just a monkey and not because that was any calculative thing. But as long as you're not expecting your random conversation with your dog to be anything fruitful, you're not going to gain anything from it except for maybe your dog's a bit of therapy and you're sitting down in the park one day and you're, and you're you know, releasing the day's frustrations and your dog's there to hear you out. And in fact, sometimes that can be literally good therapy because we've got it off our chest because some people have no one to talk to about certain things. I would hope your dog is therapy. I definitely, you know, it's nice to have a little chat with your dog. Yeah. I was like, I can't talk back, but like. That'd be so annoying. Everyone wants them to talk back, but I think it would be the worst conversations ever. Yeah, I think they wouldn't, they wouldn't be dogs otherwise. <laughs> you know what I mean? They wouldn't be, um, 
They wouldn't be what they are to humans if they spoke back. That's part of the whole reason we we'll love be them. Very disappointed. It's what, it's what a lot of people I I imagine would term when are referring to when they say unconditional love. It's right. It's that the dog doesn't. I don't know. When people say they have unconditional love for their dog, I have to say that's complete false. Because unconditioned is unconditioned. It's like you don't. You're not a babe. You're not born and then you love your dog that you don't even have or even the dog you have. you got to kind of learn that love. That's conditional love. Mm, I think what they mean when they say unconditional is like a dog has evolved over thousands of years to just want to be around humans and want to do- Kind of. But what if a dog that- But not really. How about there's heaps of dogs that have been born in the wild and they say a human they run away because they're a threat. I think unconditional love is when you have a baby or that, or if you're a baby or if you're the parent, that is completely unconditional. You come out and it's like, I already love you. You don't, like, there's no Maybe it just comes down to the limitations of language and then the dog doesn't so. have language in the first place, right? And yeah. us as humans are trying to put a, 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 a language label. Does that make sense? Like a word. Look, a- I'm con- I conditionally love Tanya. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know Tanya before I met her, mm-hmm. arguably. Mm-hmm. And- I, we learnt to love each other, mm-hmm. but me and my son, like, there's a different love. You're, Actually, in fact, now I said this to Tanya. I was, I was talking to blood and son. flesh. Yeah, I was talking to Leonardo, and mm. obviously Tanya was right next to me, and I was actually talking to her through him. And I said, "It's special that I love you unconditionally because, like, it's you are beautiful. My, you are me." Yeah. But then I go, "But it's kind of even more special that I love your mum so deeply because I didn't have to love her. Mm-hmm. I just." I, we learn to love each other, even though love does happen, and maybe we're predestined to know each other and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But put that aside, and he wouldn't exist without that, without you two coming together and learning to love each other. Tanya, in fully, which case you would not have unconditional love for this yeah. cr- being that you've created so between it's the you. chicken or the egg sort of thing, right? <laughs> but also, Tanya fully loves spades. There is no doubt about we're getting it. We get deep. What's in this whiskey, man? <laughs> I love this, this whiskey or mezcal. <laughs> <laughs> Where. Tanya fully loves spades and she'll probably take a bullet for him. But mm. before she met me, she said, I'm scared of dogs, especially big black ones. Mm. So, like, how does that? So, where's the unconditional? Oh, anyway. Rachel's like, we are never getting a German Shepherd. And I was like, that's fair enough. How about a Kelpie? And even then, she was like, ooh. And then within a week of bringing Shadow home, she's like, I love Shadow. Exactly. He's my baby. Da, da, da. You see? So, you then, so, then when we say unconditional, anyway, not that I was pulling apart the way you said it, but I think we say it like, oh, we love our dogs unconditionally. Your dog had to learn to love you because he didn't know you were three weeks old and mm. unconditionally loved his mom mm-hmm. because he kind of needed his mom and there's a biological reason for it. The reason why you get so much love for you your child anyway not just because like we're talking about pure science is because of the rush of hormones and oxytocin you get are through the roof my jaw nearly snapped from clenching my teeth so much from that you're so cute oh my god it's yeah, crazy yeah. yeah um you're rushing with all those hormones mm-hmm. and i'm sure our dogs get those rushes of hormones and we get them when we're around mm-hmm. actually we did that episode ages ago talking about um how much we love our dogs and how oxytocin actually in, um increases the blood vessels in our body mm-hmm. in our body and our heart actually expands when we have oxytocin and that's why we can correlate love to our heart because of maybe the effect oxytocin has. Oh, and blood pressure too. Like they've done big big studies on this, you know. Like uh, there was a study where people they people sat with their dog and just maintained a gaze, like eye contact with their dog for however long. It was like a few minutes mm-hmm. and they measured blood pressure, oxytocin, possibly serotonin, I don't know, a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Basically like science confirmed what we all know is that like it's an incredibly – enjoyable and 
fulfilling experience to just sit there and stare into the eyes of your dog who loves you totally and you love him or her uh right and and all the all the good chemical stuff is going on mm. and then let's just say we'll bring it back to our topic is that we will tend to love our dog more when we have a relationship number one number two a some form of communication and hopefully that communication is positive enough for you to be call that obedience mm-hmm. so you can call your dog to recall and to hold it down stay and to walk nicely on the lead and to act as appropriately in certain situations you will have that level of love because of the language that you've developed with each other mm-hmm. where there's some people that they have a dog and they've lived with the dog for two years and they're like like i love my dog but like like i want to rehome him because i can't live it there's love there, but it's not at the love of like where some people say, I don't care what I have to do, this is working out. So there's different levels of love, different levels of trust, but the better your language and your communication, the more you can love your dog. Put the time and effort into it mm-hmm. and you'll get – and they'll pay back uh, massively. So I think that's um that's a really good point. I've never thought of it on that level where, yeah, the more we can communicate – and I think that's with people too. If you have someone – you can live next door to your neighbor but never have any – communication let's say they can't even speak english you Mm. wave at them but it's not the same as the guy that lives three doors down that you just met and you had a conversation and then you help each other out with things you develop a relationship and then now you have a different level of respect and admiration for that person because you can communicate and i think that's you know you can love every dog but then your dog's more special than the dog you're trying to save so you know there's a it's like your 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 son is more special, obviously, because he's your son than any other kid on the playground. Yeah, do you know exactly. What I mean? But I'll still save a kid if it was about to fall, mm. but maybe not at the expense of my kid. Like if both of them were falling, I'd love to catch both of them, mm. but I'll probably catch my son first. Mm. And that's because there's a biological, you know, um, tie between us, but also because we know each other and what does it mean to know them? So I think communication and developing that language, like all of your commands, as soon as you do something, gesture or verbal to your dog and your dog responds in the way that you want it to, that's communication. Mm. So let's improve that to the best of our ability. And that all comes down to how we train, how we set up our dog for training, how we work on management plans, how we um, handle each and every interaction between you and your dog because that's where your um, communication will actually have worth. There's no point having a recall if your dog only comes inside the house. Um, even though it's a good place to start, mm-hmm. is that your recall has to be good enough so you can rely on it everywhere else. And that's because you have a relationship. Why does your dog want to come back to you in the bloody first place anyway? If he's playing with another dog, you say, come. That's either because it, it betters his situation, he wants to come back to you because he gets some form of reinforcement, or he goes, well, you've called me to come and I know what that means. I must come. Otherwise, an undesirable consequence. Pressure on the leash. I'm going to make you come and then we're going to stop the entire play altogether. And even that is communication. Tanya used me yesterday and she said, she goes, you got to eat that whatever, the sandwich. And he's like, I don't want to, I want to go outside. And it's like, daddy said, you got to eat the sandwich. And he ate the sandwich. <laughs> and, oh, um, bad cop. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, but, um, but even then, even, but then on the other side, I can be the weak link in certain situations compared mm-hmm. to a Tanya picks it up a little bit. So it's the same with dogs. Like <laughs> I'm definitely the bad cop between Rach and I mm-hmm. because- I train him, mm-hmm. therefore, you know, I discipline him when he doesn't do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so, I think, Rach, like, when Rach comes home, I spend definitely spend more time with him overall. But mm-hmm. when Rach comes home, he kind of blows me off a little bit because yeah. I think 
Rachel's softer on him mm-hmm. and he's worked it out that he can get away with more stuff with her. And he gets more love and yeah. for certain behaviours yeah. that are easier for him. Yeah. yeah. And she also doesn't necessarily, when he does a certain thing that I might not let him do, she possibly doesn't understand, like, from a dog trainer's perspective, the Where ramifications of that yeah. and why I might cut him off earlier. Exactly. And so, the overall result of that is- she just, she's, yeah, yeah. I'm the wet blanket sometimes. Yeah. But then when you talk about it, then there's- the- But I do it for his benefit. Exactly. From my perspective anyway, I yes. feel like I do it for his benefit. Long yeah. term, yeah. I want him to be a certain way, mm-hmm. you know. And you're molding and shaping that now. Mm. And you saying no and even punishing your son for touching the hot stove when you said not to, not because you hate him, it's because you love him. You don't mm. want him to hurt himself. That's exactly right. And you give him the punishment for that. But love and respect don't come hand in hand. Mm. So you can your dog can love you and listen to you when it betters the situation, but then that same person out in the park and you say, come, the dog goes, well, there's no consequence and you just love on me, but right now I don't really feel like you love, so screw you, I'm going to go play with that dog. And that's when we'll get disappointed. If our dogs can talk, they would say things like that and you're like, oh, I had no idea you felt like that. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course, like I want to play with dogs and I'll play with you. And kids get brutal like that too, right? Yep. When they're like five and they're like, I'm going to be a boring. And you're like, oh. You're not supposed to say that to somebody. Um, you only learn that no as, filter. You, as you, as you Kids grow up. No filter. And that's where you're like, well, at least it's the truth. Mm. Um, you're not getting blown off. So love and respect have to be work individually. And that comes down to that communication as well. It's about when is that time and place and how do you develop each one? Heaps of people love their parents. They may not respect them. They do everything they don't want them to do, but they still go back to them when they, when they need them, when they need comfort mm-hmm. or, or whatever. So, um, and respect is one of those harder ones to achieve than the love because love, you just give everybody what they want, so to speak, and they appreciate you. Mm-hmm. But in the long term, respect gives you harder, stronger love because, oh, in that tough moment, you had my back. And actually, in fact, I listen, like, I don't know if dogs can rationalize that anyway, but, um, but it is part of our duty to create respect on both sides of the lead because it's the respect that gives us a sense of boundary. Or a sense of, um, I'll do it because you told me to because you can see six steps ahead of me. Mm. They don't even think that anyway. They just go, I do it because I have to. Because if they could think six steps ahead of us. Probably, they wouldn't be dogs. Yeah, and they'll be, they will be wearing the collars and they'll be walking us, right? That's, that's, that's a bit of a segue, but people, clients often say like, how do you, or, you know, when and how do you know when to fade the food? And I say, well, Shadow doesn't do what I tell him to do in the initial stages, you shaping like you're reinforcing with food, but ultimately he doesn't do something because of the food. He does something because I tell him to do it. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't do it, I'll follow through. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not about the food per se. Well, like we talked the, the last episode, we were together talking about the dopamine and the possibility of getting the reward. Mm. I say bed, it's like, oh, maybe. Oh, yeah, it's the same with the crate, right? The crate, like right? I'm like shadow in the crate and he goes, boom. And like one out of 10 or two out of 10 times, I will reward him when he gets in there. Exactly. And, and that's where that speed comes from. And also that answers your client's question about, well, when do we suffer? Why would you fade the tr- the food or when would to you- to strengthen it. Is it strengthened to tell the dog you may or may not get it, but mm-hmm. then also- if it's a, and if this is your style of training, if I tell you to do it and you choose not to do it, I'll make you do it anyway. Mm, and, it's inevitable. And that's when, and then depending on what sort of 
state of mind you want your dog to be in? Are we working towards competition style things? Are we working on more chilled out behaviors? A down to down to relax for 35 minutes or a down because I'm going to reward you with the tug in, in 30 seconds mm. to a minute and you don't know mm. which which one do you which want? Which and when, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and there's so many ways to answer that question. Uh, but I think, yeah, they do it because of the game of it. Or like, for example, I, I didn't know I was going to walk around the block, so I did leave the house yesterday, both my dogs with no leads. And normally I always have my leads on me and I usually always have it attached to them. But Leonardo, we thought we are just going to walk like up and down three houses. And we're like, school, we're going to walk around the block. Mm-hmm. Dogs just followed us. I'm like, hey, wait, down. Waited for Leonardo, whatever, whatever. Went to go across the road. Okay. Like now in that moment they got released and that was their reward. So like we have to look at not all re- all rewards are reinforcements, mm-hmm. but not all reinforcements come in the form of a reward. So me saying okay to my dogs, they, they knew that they were released out of that down and they get to run across the road to polish smell the next thing or to continue moving through the path. So but then, of course, the only reason why they stay there is because I've taught them, well, you're not allowed to get up unless I tell you to. Mm. But then they find their reward within the game of it. That's right. Or you, we, don't, we don't define what is the reinforcer ultimately because that's just whatever the dog wanted in the first place, mm-hmm. right? And that's why By definition. you can withhold certain things. Mm. That's why some people let their dog run off the street, run, run out of the house off the lead. It runs across the road. It goes wherever it wants it, blah, blah, blah. So then you letting it run across the road has never been something that you've had to allow because it just came just because. So then there was no way that you could reinforce that particular thing. And that's a bit of a paradox to with the whole discipline equals freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Do more things, I give you more stuff. Mm-hmm. Do more things, I give you more stuff. And then over time, freedom is something that's earned. And then if you choose, hey, Nookie broke the down, let's just say three times in one walk, oh, you're on the lead for the next three weeks until we fix that. And she's like, ah. Oh. And she knows that. She sees it and she's like, okay, we'll go back a bit. And that's that whole when things plateau. Should have added that into the episode. Well, our committed listeners, if you keep listening to episodes, you get everything connects. And I think everything, yeah, every single episode has to connect. We have to, one day we'll probably on our hundredth episode, put all the episodes up in a mind map on a wall and connect them all. Well, this one directly connects to this one, connect, and it all makes one big web. I mean, there's only so many topics, I think. And then you kind of circle back a little bit on each one and possibly take a different angle or, or, or or cover a smaller or different aspect of that particular subset, you know? That strengthens the actual original idea. Mm. Exactly. I like that. Because if you hit it from different angles all the time, it reinforces why we do these things anyway. And we didn't just make all this up on the spot. Everything is a reflection of how, how things are done. All right, so that's communication. Mm-hmm. And we talk about training is also sport. It's a sport in terms of when I tell my dog to down, I walk away and I may or may not reinforce with the ball or with the tug. and Intermittent again. Intermittently reinforced it. But regardless, even if it's the first time ever, I tell the dog to sit and I always reward with the tug. That action of the game and the play and the intensity of that particular activity is, of course, reinforcing the dog, hence why it is a reward for them. But you're developing sport, just like doing agility, doing bite sports, doing any form of advanced obedience. Even rewarding your dog with food can become action because you can work on luring games and even reinforcing the dog and tapping into a bit of prey drive. But even if you're just feeding the dog and you're telling the dog to do stuff, it becomes – and when I say sport, let's not look at it directly like the dog is playing a sport. It's what does sport represent to us and it represents that hunter sort of – tribal sort of 
warrior person that we are. Mm -hmm. It's we fight the other team until we win, that adversary sort of thing, competition, but also it's the stimulation of a physical activity while could it putting your mind, that strategy and the fitness together. And that's everything of what the dog game is all – the playing a game with a dog is all about. If you can make it a reward, which you probably should, then you can get so much more out of it because your a five-minute training session with the ball is like a 45-minute walk. Go for the 45-minute walk and do the training session in the mm. middle of the walk. Boom. Now your dog is exhausted, fulfilled, and fulfilled is different than tired. Kana talked about that when we interviewed her. She said – um Generally speaking, she doesn't really walk Noodle, which is her Kelpie. Um, she gets a lot of mo- – like all of her training and her reinforcement and whatever, her, her biological fulfillment through like you a training work. session. Training. Yeah. Uh, and she makes her work for a meal and that kind of stuff, like existential food, that whole kind of thing. And like she's a Kelpie, right? So, she she's a very reasonably high high drive dog. And like walking is important. I – Shadow at the minimum gets to walk around like a few blocks around the neighborhood. But like for me, I would much rather do a training session with him in the park that involves some active running, chasing the ball or that kind of thing. For me, I find like he'll, he'll loose leash walk, no no dramas for me. And again, going back to that dopamine thing from talking like from the last episode, for me, like Loose leash walking him is kind of boring. I don't mm-hmm. really enjoy it. I'd much rather take him to the park, spend, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 minutes doing a training session, throwing the ball, kicking around, like being bare, barefoot on the grass. For me, that's more fulfilling mm-hmm. than just like loose leash walking him. And he's, I can see it in him after that kind of thing. He's much more satisfied, I would say, mm-hmm. than just a walk around the block. Totally. And look, and walking... Is, I think is one of the most important tools and structured things that we can do with our dogs and, and we can talk about that for ages. But if I could choose, if I had to choose, and depending on the dog, mm. if I had spades at this time and I could choose walking or training, I probably would, if I had to only choose, I probably would choose training, but I do see the benefits in the walk and how it's different. And there's so many, there's so many v- different variables of why each one's different in terms of stimulation. Mm. But talking about sport, well, going for the walk is just learning obedience and learning how to be habituated within the environment we live in. But it's the dogs weren't designed to walk on mm. a leash lease. Loose lease. That's that's a really good point. And and clients will often be like, Oh, he hates like a puppy, especially. I'm getting a lot of puppies lately. It's like puppy season. Mm-hmm. Um and they'll be like, he hates the leash. And I'm like, well, think about it. What's a leash for a dog? It's like one of the most foreign things you could possibly do, right? Yeah. Like leashes don't exist until humans- The most unnatural thing we do to a dog. Yeah, yeah, right. And so to desensitize, like to in- habituate and to introduce a dog to the leash takes takes work. Mm-hmm. And some dogs, it's like the crate. Some dogs hate the crate. Some dogs love it. We were pretty lucky with Shadow. He was kind of like in the middle, leaning more towards loving it. And we reinforced it in a particular way. But like, remember the first time you came over when we just got Shadow, we were doing a podcast and he fucking mm. screamed mm. in the crate. Like he hated it. Mm. Now he loves it, mm. you know, but the leash is the same thing. Some dogs will really, really like have that oppositional mm-hmm. reflex to it. Like, no, get this shit off me. But um, then, but on the other hand, you give them food or throw the ball and the dog would chase it without even you have to even teaching it. Mm. You don't have to teach them to chase a ball. If mm. they have that innate prey drive that's high enough for it to manifest in chasing a round object like a ball, mm. then that's already there. And then playing the game 
regardless if the dog's eight weeks old or eight months old or even eight years old, if they like the ball that much, using that for training is developing that. Remember we talked about we play with our dogs. The three most important reasons is number one, we're using the most appropriate reinforcement for the dog Mm -hmm. and that individual, which, for example, tug may mean nothing, but the ball may may mean everything for the dog. So use what's appropriate. Number two is we are teaching the dog impulse control by having to do a passive behavior, hold it down, hold it down, hold it down, boom, and then release out of out of um, position and then receive the reinforcement. That passive for the active reward um, can has like millions of different um, ways we can utilize that in life. And then also it's a development for relationship. Why outsource the playing with your dog, with random dogs at the dog park when that play can come from you and you become everything to your dog and your dog doesn't care about the other dogs? or doesn't have to not care about them, but sees you more valuable. Mm. So then that playing of that sport, like there's some people talking about not walking. I walk every day because I have to walk. It's part of my job and I walk my dogs anyway. Mm -hmm. But also some people do office job all day, but they still get after it at the gym and at the dojo and at whatever sporting activity they do. And that's their um, exercise for the week. They do that three, four times a week. Mm -hmm. And that is how they stay active and in shape. So there's many different ways of playing your sport. You want to play chess? That's technically a sport, even though it's not as physically stimulating as you would, um, as I would probably like. Tennis, squash, or whatever you want to do, play AFL. So find the sport that your dog can do good, and then play that game with them, and then mm. make up the rules as you go. It's your game, but it has to be seen that way. Even if your dog hasn't got the mu- as much drive for, like every dog wants to play. Spades doesn't have much prey drive. However, when I'm training with him, I use my myself as the thing that he gets to play and chase with. And you can see how happy he gets so fulfilled from it. And as I was saying before, it's not about creating a tired dog so much. It's by creating the fulfilled dog. That's right. Uh, that That is a really, uh, I guess, common misconception. And I've had clients ask me, like, how do I tire my dog out? Like, it's not about tiring the dog out per se. Mm-hmm. Sure, he gets physical, like, exertion, physical fulfillment from the activity of exercise, but it's not, like, we've talked about this before, like, if I just go to the park and let's say I just throw the ball for free for an hour, all I'm doing is making a fit dog. And neurotic. Yeah, (laughs) super fit. And, like, he's he's just getting fitter every time, especially if it's for free. He's not doing anything to earn that reinforcer. So- I always encourage them, like, make the dog go through obedience to get what he wants, mm-hmm. whether that's food or whether that's play. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with a really young puppy, you might addict them to play for free for first, mm-hmm. and then you put it on command and through obedience later um, and get that mind-body um, stimulation going. That's what, you know, quote-unquote, tires out the dog. Mm. But it's not about- just physically being tired. Well, like I did that boxing session we're talking about whenever that episode was, and I and I said it was challenging, it was hard, and I was I was sweating, I was drenched, and an hour and a half of, of heavy training. I still carried on with my day, number one, and also I rested well that night, but I was fulfilled. Mm. But if I was tired, like digging a trench all day, mm-hmm. I'm not really fulfilled. I'm just tired and sore, mm. and that may not be the most desirable state to be in because I'm now edgy and I'm 
frustrated but i'm also like whingy and in pain where mm-hmm. i could still be in pain but be fulfilled but i'm like yeah but i earned that pain it's different now maybe if it's your trench for the thing you're doing and you have a different thing attached to it maybe that's more stimulating mm-hmm. whatever but if you're just doing the labor of physical labor only and not connecting any f- mental process to it i don't think it's the same mm-hmm. and um that's why running on the treadmill or playing oztag they're two different things even though the kilojoules expended may be the same mm. and that's why we have on this- paper they look the same exactly in calories or whatever but it's not it's not the same thing and same with our dogs yeah you just said run 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 yeah they're, they're, fit, they're tired they're fit now you know what i mean and that sucks so Language and sport and how are you fulfilling that within your dog, within your training, number one, mm. and also in your everyday life. You know, um, I want Spade, Spades want to jump in the ocean one time and I made him do stuff for him to go into the water. That's right. You, I he went that through the obedience. And he's now appreciated probably the water more. Mm. And maybe that's just something mm. that I made up for him because how do I know? But you can see through his body language, it's, he was happy to be there, but to do something for it. It's like it's the you appreciate what you earn. Where if you were just giving it to you, hmm. you may not appreciate the same. And that goes back to like um, what, we, what we were saying earlier. Like ultimately, the reinf- what is the re- what is and what isn't the reinforcer is up to the dog, right? Yeah. And that's like um, what we can call like the release to liberty. So mm-hmm. like if I'm walking shadow and I'm he- healing him, like loose leash walking him up the up the street, and then I see like he wants to break off and sniff the ro- sniff the roses or whatever it might be. So, I'm like, huh, so there's something I can use against mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. against him. Like, I can make him work for that. Mm-hmm. So, I'll heal him past it and be like, shadow, sit, maybe whatever. Spin, mm-hmm. spin, down, mm-hmm. and then, okay. And I know he's going to go back to what he mm-hmm. wanted in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, make him go exactly. through the obedience to get to that ultimate reinforcer because I didn't know that he wanted to sniff that bush. But once, I, once I've noticed that that is what he wants, I can make him work for it. Exactly. And you have to see the game within everything that you do with them so that improves your level of fulfillment for them and also knowing what your dog wants more, which means that improves your relationship and your language. Mm. And that's – I don't know if I can see – can I see training to be anything else besides language and sport because when you go to learn – someone wrote something really stupid. Oh, my God, on, my, on a YouTube video. <laughs> Let's YouTube talk. comments are the um, it was the a cesspool of the internet. I think I don't really get too many bad ones, but this one was just ridiculous, and it was, I got, shouldn't take any notice to it. But seven thirty in the morning, it popped up on my thing. I'm like, I'm going to reply to this one, um, and she's saying anything bad. The Roddy was, um, we, I said like training recall in the park with distractions, and the Roddy, I forgot his name, wouldn't come back. Like she would call him once on the long lead. He came back, but then he went back out again. He saw spades. She calls him to come. The dog doesn't come. Mm. And I told her, yeah, put some pressure on the leash and just to kind of train him, not teach him. And she says, and she says something like, you're the dog already know you're already, you're training a trained dog that already knows come. And I said, we're, we're not teaching him. We're training him mm-hmm. to do the recall. Mm-hmm. Did you not watch the video and hear what I said? Because I said all of that. And then she says, you can't teach him because he can't go to class. Um, you train a dog. And I'm like, oh, I'm just talking to a complete idiot. And I'm like, I'm like I, just, I just wrote, 
haha or something and I just liked it. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I'm like, and I said, okay, just please don't write any stupid comments. And she's like, that wasn't a stupid comment. I'm like, it totally was. Ah, but yeah. now you're in her world. I know, I screwed up. But it doesn't matter. It is what it is. I made more comments on that video, whatever. But I guess basically she says you can't teach him because you can't go to class, like go into a classroom and learn something. I'm like, oh, yeah, you just don't get my language. There's three phases. And obviously I'm not going to. Give this out sure. to her. There's three phases of learning, and you teach the command, you train the command, you prove proof the command. So when you're when you're learning boxing, you're learning your hands go up, and when you throw a jab, your hip go up. Blah, 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 you're learning, you're mm. tra- you're teaching somebody. Mm. Now it's like, all right, let's do some light sparring. You're training it. Mm-hmm. You've learned it. Now you're drilling it. You learn it, you drill it, and then over time you go and do it in the real thing. And um. I don't even know what my original point was. Maybe I just want to talk about the random YouTuber. But I guess there, there's a point there is that, yeah, we're, we're, when we're learning something new, we're having to like go to class. You're learning the language. Then once you've learned the language, let's put it into the sporting activity. And how I like to teach is that I teach dogs with luring and food first to do positions. Once a dog knows the command, is in the training phase, and I can give the command, the dog does it, then I can mark it. And then th- throw the ball for the dog. And then now that's when we've gone from not just language and communication, but now we're making something more dynamic. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a word that we're looking for. They're both the same thing, but language is one thing, but sport is dynamic because you have to learn communication to even play soccer. Otherwise, how do you know who to pass it to? That's right. So that's where we're going to wrap that up. I think that was a good, good That was flow. a bit of a, like, we went out on a few different ledges a few different directions but uh, hopefully I, you guys got something out i think of it. we i think we fully brought it back and i think it's something interesting because i always always and i always say this to all my clients as well it is language it is sport mm. you need to make it make sure it's both and some people see the obedient like the advanced training like the working dog stuff and see that really really cool that's like advanced sport but then also some people just go i don't really need that i just want my dog to like sit down when i tell him to sit i just want my dog to, to- not be a C-bomb. I just want my dog to, yeah. yeah. And I want my dog to listen to me. Mm-hmm. So, that's what you need to do. So, much love to you all. We appreciate you as always. Share with a friend. Um, give us a review and um, put something on stories on Instagram and yeah, tag, tag us. us. Show Life us, with your dog show podcast. us you're listening. And, um, I know you guys are listening because I've seen the numbers. We're watching you. You're, li- <laughs> you're listening. So, hit us up. Let us know where, where you're at when you're listening. I'm down with that. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye.